It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It is NCAA Tournament Thursday, and that can mean only one thing. No, it's not Orlando Magic versus Detroit Pistons. It's time for an NBA Draft Preview on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is March 17th, 2022. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode, we are joined by Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Draft to get ourselves a preview of the NBA Draft. Richard, how are you doing, to- how are you doing today? I-, I-, I have to apologize first, a little bit behind the, behind the curtain here. You had this recorded. Um, and then my program decided not to actually record it or give it to me to download. So hello again. You ready to do this again? <laughs> ready to write again? Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, it, uh, it was a nice dry rehearsal and now yeah. I can have uh, my answers completely script. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm really excited. No, I look forward to it yet again. Yeah, no, no, no. And now, now, now we're both fed. I've, t- I've gotten some water. Um, we're, 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 we're good. We're gonna keep it tight. We're gonna keep it tight. No, no wasting time. But before we dive into things, I do want to thank you all for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, whether it's on your way to work, while you're working out, on your way to tonight's Magic game. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every single day. Remember, there's great Locked On podcasts covering the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, and college shoes. Search for them wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. And of course, also search for Locked On NBA Draft, especially as they get going here in the next few months, weeks, years, however long it is. Um, the draft never ends. Um, Richard, um, before we, we dive into this upcoming draft class, I, I want to start with where the Magic are at now as a team. Um, this is a young team. Um, they obviously have two draft two players from last year's draft class. Um, it, it, it's, it's a group that's still kind of growing and developing and still under evaluation. But let's focus in on the Magic's two rookies. Um, did you imagine that Franz Wagner would be this? <laughs> no, no. I, I think, you know, going kind of tying two things together here, the NCAA tournament last year was a big red flag for a lot of uh, a lot of draft people. And, and I think even Magic fans when he was drafted, you know, the most famous thing he did in that tournament was airball a clutch three. And his three-point percentage wasn't that good. You know, his shot wasn't as smooth as it is now. And I think it just kind of is a message – a, trust the free throw percentage because his was elite for a wing. Uh, someone his size, I would say, was almost elite. Over 80% is pretty tough, let alone for a wing. Um, you know, I, I never saw this coming, though. I think this is a 10 out of 10 outcome for year one at the least. And I, I really do project him to get even better. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, I had Franz as just a really nice player, like a really good supporting player. And 
And that's, you know, that's still been a place where he has been really strong for this team. But, um, you know, now we're all talking about him being an all-star, you know, potentially being just a, a centerpiece player for this franchise and this rebuild. Um, it, it really does feel like Bogner has a really big uh, a chance to ha- take a really good next big step in his game. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, Jalen Suggs has had a strange rookie year. Um, in some respects, um, you know, Franz has also been a really good defender, and that's something that stood out about him and, and made him a really good player. Jalen's also been a really good defender, but he hasn't been kind of the franchise-changing player that we all maybe thought he would be. Um, I, I think it's really harsh to say what we got wrong about a player in his rookie year because, you know, uh, my draft philosophy is always, first and foremost, get an NBA player. And I think Jalen Suggs, even in this form, is still, you know, someone someone came to me and said, oh, you can't be drafting Marcus Smart with the fifth pick. And I'd be like, if Jalen Suggs just happens to be Marcus Smart and and his failure is a Marcus Smart, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's that's a good that's a good quote-unquote failure. But um, for lack of a better way to phrase it, what, what did we not see in Jalen Suggs um, that let the hype kind of get past where his game was actually at? Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that most drafts at most produce 20 guys, 15 to 20 guys who actually play 10 plus years. And out of the 2014 draft, Marcus Smart will be one of those guys. So uh, having someone who's a, a veteran is pretty tough. But with Jalen Suggs, you know, I think the big things were, uh, you know, the three-point percentage, I dismissed it a little bit too much. And then also just overall decision-making and adjustment to pace of the game. He really, really needs to slow it down. You've seen it. I'm sure every Magic fan at some point has seen it where he goes, tries to go Russell Westbrook in a in a school zone. You know, like he, he's trying to go way over the speed limit. And, you know, once he controls that, it'll be fine. There are definitely some flashes. I forget which game it was. It was something within the last seven days, but... He had like seven or eight assists, something like that. And and all of it was while playing quick. And that's the hope you see. You know, he's still young. You want that to happen next year. Maybe he can start doing that in a normal uh, speed would be a lot for him. Yeah. And, and again, it, I think I, I don't think enough. I mean, there are so many stories of rookies who just jump in the league and, and play really well. I, I don't th- I think sometimes people forget to appreciate how big of a leap it is and how young these guys are. Um to, to kind of come into the league and play meaningful minutes. And, you know, this the, this magic situation is not, like, ideal necessarily for growth. Yes, there's opportunity, which is ideal for growth. But, um, you know, to, to, to my eye, especially early on in the season, Jalen Suggs was probably at the top of everyone's scouting report. There was no one else on this magic team that was really kind of gaining or garnering respect. And, you know, I think everyone anticipated that Jalen Suggs would have a very big role. I'm sure Jalen... He's a guy that puts a lot of pressure on himself. He wants to be great. Um, I'm sure he put a lot of pressure on himself as well to, to play at a high level. And, and it, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to live up to your own expectations, let alone what everyone else. Because, you know, when, when the Magic drafted Jalen Suggs fifth, when they got that surprise to pick him fifth, um, and it was a surprise at that point, um, it, the, there was euphoria in the Amway Center. Like we all, uh, like, I, I, I still believe this. I, I don't, I've not been dissuaded from this. Jalen Suggs is probably the most talented guard prospect the Magic have taken since Penny Hardaway in 1993. There there have not been a lot of guards like this uh, in in a Magic uniform. And to your point, slowing down is is such a a big thing. But how much, you know, and and this is even with Franz, who, you know, I I, I thought would fit better in a winning team context. It was one of the reasons why maybe I shied away from him a little bit uh, in the draft process. Because I just, I was like, how is he going to fit when you give him the ball a lot? Um, how much is team context 
and, and the fact that the Magic are a team that doesn't have a lot of star power, certainly doesn't have any star power, um, doesn't have a lot of veteran guys around them, has a very young roster, has a rookie head coach. How much has that played a role in some of Jalen's struggles or, or, or how these rookies have developed? Yeah, I think every team needs a veteran point guard. Obviously, I guess this version is each one more, but uh, before I just said that, did you even remember each one more is on the roster? Like, uh, yes, each uh, each one is my guy. He knows that. Um, I, the other, I take I, back I, what I said. I am a I am a I am a Northwestern guy. Each one more was at Purdue the same time I was at Northwestern. Outside of the Northwestern players, th- that Purdue team was my jam. Each one more, Robbie Hummel, jo- uh, I believe Jawan Johnson was there. Chris Kramer as the instigator. I. I I, I, I will ride with that Purdue team. Do not worry. <laughs> hey, I take back what I said, but I mean, yeah, like every team needs a veteran point guard. You look at some of, um, I, I'm blanking on who, who they were. Actually, like the Mavs are a good example. When they started rebuilding, and obviously I'm a Mavs fan as well, like my handle's Mavs draft. I, you know, they had JJ Barea, who he was still very good, uh, but he definitely lost a step after the Achilles. And his big thing was he was there teaching Luca the intricacies of, how to be great. And obviously JJ Bray isn't known for being a great player, even though he did win player of the week once, you know, having those guys matters. And I think especially a point guard, because they have one true veteran, I would say that I crossed on the other side of 30, which is Robin Lopez. But how much is he impacting the true development of Jalen Suggs? And I, I'd say very little. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if we're, if we're talking like guys who play like veterans, Markel Fultz is probably up there and, you know, I'd honestly say, like, since Markel Fultz started traveling with the team a little bit more, maybe Jalen's point guard skills have gotten a little bit better. But Markel Fultz is also still only 24 years old, um, so it's not like he is he's he's an old head compared to the rest of this team, but uh, not 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 an old head uh, in in reality. Um, you know, just just kind of taking a, a further step back. Um, you know, you look at this Magic team. Obviously, they're they're back in position to get one of the top picks in the draft. They're back in position to have top odds to win the lottery, second straight year that that's probably going to happen. Um, when you look at what Jamal Mosley's been able to do, um, you know, again, rookie head coach. I think rookie head coaches go through a lot of the same growing pains that rookie players go through sometimes, but um, or differently. But you, you get what I'm saying. Um, where do you, how do you view this, this magic rebuild? Like what, what are the areas that the magic need to be focused on even sort of beyond the draft to help kind of get the most out of the young players that they're, they're, they're collecting? Yeah, I think, I think a big thing would really be having, I mean, they're more skilled areas and, and a little bit of addition by subtraction. Like, yeah, they need some more pick and roll guys that can really dominate in that. But I think having, I, I really don't know how to even word it exactly i mean natural progression and addition by subtraction in a way of trade them out i mean like the magic have this special case where they're in year one i call it year one of the rebuild but technically last year was year zero because they had two months of a rebuild this is the first true year of a rebuild and no team can claim in the nba really over the last several years of being in year one while having in my opinion seven or eight true foundational pieces not necessarily the piece but like the worst player in that eight-man group might actually be Chumo Kiki, and that'd be he'd be one of the better ones for a lot. You look at Detroit, he's better than Isaiah Stewart, and Isaiah Stewart's their third best. The Magic are in a position where they can make a trade, they can play with house money and kind of offload some of those guards. And even, you know, RJ Hampton, uh, I know we've talked about it before, he plays a little bit more wing at times, maybe doing something like that for the guys you really want to keep. 
But ultimately, I do think a trade would do wonders in freeing up the natural development for some of the players. Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think uh, you know a, 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 a good follower of, of mine, a good follower follow on Magic Twitter. Uh, I think he does does some work for one of the Magic blogs. I'm forgetting which one. I apologize. Um, but Malik Grady had a tweet uh, a couple weeks ago talking about Cole Anthony's development, and, and I think some of this, and I've had this debate about Cole Anthony with a lot of people, and whether he's good for the Magic's development or growth or, or bad, and. You know, I think there's good arguments on both sides and, and whether Cole Anthony is actually part of this team's future. But um, Malik had a tweet, uh, had a string of tweets a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, this is a really big summer for Cole Anthony um, because he's either going to uh, clarify and accept his role as sort of a bench player or he's going to really try and push himself to be the quote unquote star of this team. And, and I think uh, and, and this is going to be a summer that's going to clarify that role for him and that path for development, because if he wants to be the star that averages 20 points per game, that's probably not what the magic envision of him, or he's got to go out and earn it. He's got to go out and earn it. He's getting that opportunity this year. And if that's the player he thinks he is, that, that ain't working. That's, that's certainly not getting the job done, at least as, as he is now. Um, if he wants, if he begin, if he's given a different role next year, if he's, you know, said, Hey, Markel Fultz is our starting point guard. He won it in training camp. He maybe won it with these limited minutes he's had since coming back from the injury. Um, uh, he has to accept that six man role. So I, I think to your point, you know, a, a big failure of the Rob Hennigan rebuild. And I think Tobias Harris mentioned this. There's, there are way too many guys climbing over each other to, to, to be good uh, and to make their mark in the league. Um, you had Tobias Harris, you had Victor Oladipo, you had Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon. You had five guys there who all believed that they could be all-stars. And, and it was really difficult for any of them to accept a role and play together as a unit. And so uh, I, I agree with you on that front. A big part of what the Magic have to do now, they're going to add another high draft pick. They've got, um, you know, Franz Wagner, who they really like. They got Jalen Suggs, who they really like. They're heavily invested financially. Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, and Wendell Carter now. Um, maybe not heavily is probably the wrong term, but they've, they've put some money into those guys. They've got to start defining roles and defining what these guys are going to be for the future and kind of beginning to form the team into what they ultimately want it to be when they, when they start competing. Um, obviously a big piece of that puzzle is going to be the draft pick that is coming in for the Orlando Magic in the 2022 NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the top guys in that draft. It's a very interesting top group. We'll get to all of those guys, plus other guys to look out for coming up here in just a moment. But first, a, a quick word from Athletic Greens. Um, look, doing vitamin supplements the biggest challenge with keeping up with your health is keeping a routine is doing something that is easily repeatable as mixing something into your water or taking a couple droplets right when you wake up. And that's what makes athletic greens so great. It's not just that it has so many good things for you, for your health and wellness. It's that it is easy to do. And it's something that immediately becomes part of your daily routine. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I didn't even know some of those were words. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All those things and a whole lot more. So how easy is it? You literally, I, I literally just go, I've incorporated in my life here since they, since they sent us a free sample as part of the promotion here. 
Um, and, and it's just so easy. I, I leave it like right in front of where my breakfast normally is. I take a couple drops from the dropper. It comes in something that's easily mixable into your water or a, or even a little bit of powder. Um, I take a, I take a couple droplets and then I go make my breakfast. It's really that easy and, and, and it helps so much. Um, it's a lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. Supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. It's all in one. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us. We truly appreciate you making, uh, taking the time to listen to us. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So, Richard, uh, let's turn now to this draft class. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to live up to the 2021 draft class. It has been a, a ridiculously good rookie class at the very, very least. But how would you describe the 2022 draft class overall? Yeah, so if you look at, we've been spoiled by the last five drafts. I mean, 2017 was really good. 2018 was generational. 2021 was generational. 2019 at the top was pretty damn good. I mean, Zion pretty much in the year one and a half was all NBA caliber. Uh, John Morant is John Morant. It's really special. However, you get to this one, and I think it's not bad. It's just if you're looking for a cornerstone, you might want to look elsewhere. Next year's class is better for it. So it's going to be some really good options, kind of similar to 2020, but a little less star power in my opinion. Um, It's it's a good class, but not. I definitely will not be great. Yeah. um, So you know, it's 
everyone who's putting all their eggs in the one basket. I mean, obviously, don't do that. Don't 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 bank everything on uh, on a draft class. But this is this is not a draft that everyone's been sort of climbing over themselves for. Like last year was like when Orlando picked up that extra draft pick from the Bulls that was top four protected. Like that was a big deal. Like Franz Wagner turned you know obviously turned out to be a big big deal. And even if Franz weren't there. They, there are plenty of other great players that the Magic could have taken, but let's start. Let's start in on this class. Um, you know, uh, uh, there is a big, there is a little bit of a debate going on about who the top guy is. I don't think there's a debate. Talking to you both before we started recording, when we recorded the first time we tried to record here, and um, and now, um, I, I, it seems like that 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 the clear cut number one guy is Jabari is Jabari Smith. What makes Jabari Smith special? Yeah, it, it stems from the fact that he's a 6'10 version of Clay Thompson in a lot of ways. Uh, really good on defense, probably the best shooter, if at least the best shooter of first round prospects. And you combine that with the fact that I think you'll have some three-level scoring in a different way from a lot of three-level scores. He's not going to create a ton of those looks, but you know he can catch and shoot from literally anywhere. He's lethal in so many different ways off ball. And then he's going to, you know, he's 6'10", and he has some nice dribble moves he can create for himself ever so slightly. And on top of that, he plays really good defense. He can protect the rim a little bit, defend the perimeter, and he has super active hands that he uses to force a lot of turnovers. So the the specialty with him is just a 6'10", Clay Thompson. It's a pretty dang good player. Yeah, um, the, 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 the most common player comp, comp that I've heard has not been Clay Thompson. It's been a guy the Magic fans are familiar with in Rashard Lewis and, and you know, as much as everyone hates the Richard Lewis contract, uh, everyone loves Richard Lewis, the player. Um, and, and certainly uh, Lewis was uh, one of the key guys revolutionizing the power forward position here uh, in, in the NBA over the last 20 years now. Oh God, we're, we're getting to 20 years since he joined, joined the magic here in a couple in, in five or six years now. Um, obviously I think kind of the, the most interesting prospect, the guy who was the number one guy for most of the season or most of the college season, or at least entering the college season, um, is Chet Holmgren. Um, before we get into some of the questions, I think the Chet Holmgren question is probably the central debate at the top of this draft. Um, what makes Chet Holmgren so special? Like what, I mean, what makes, what, what, why, I mean, how unique is he? Yeah, he, to me, has the best shot block timing I've ever seen. Uh, it's really special. You don't see him miss and foul guys very often. It's pretty rare. And then on top of that, he's a good shooter and his basketball IQ is ridiculous. His feel for the game is strong. And the thing that really might make him a unicorn is the fact that he can handle the ball. Um, the big downfall from you know teams, uh, the scout I've talked to was uh, that, look, he, he's skinny. He can his body hold up for an 82-game season. And what happens if that playmaking doesn't translate? Because then he's just a three and deep big which is still very valuable, I want to say, because that's essentially a better version of Mo Bamba, which I think, as Magic fans, we all know, a better version of Mo Bamba is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and and I think, you know, I, I think there's, at least from my evaluation, I, I, I will admit this bias. I, I'm a little gun-shy on him because of Mo. It's not, it's not you know, anything else. It's just Mo is a skinny big man. Uh, he, he, he's not someone that seeks out contact. I, I think the biggest difference between Bamba and Holmgren is, at least from what I've seen, Holmgren isn't afraid to take a hit. He'll go mix things up. He'll go after guys. He'll, you know, he is not afraid um, to to take a bump in the post. He wants to be in the post. That uh, you know, I think a lot of our complaints with Mobamba is, and it's not that the post game is so important in the NBA today, but he does when he's posting guys up, he's taking fadeaway jumpers. He's not going to the basket. He's hanging around the three point line, and 
And while Chet certainly does that and is capable of hitting from three, he's also not afraid to get down on the block and not afraid to defend on the block, even if he is ultimately overpowered. Um, and so I, I do think that is a very, very key difference. But I agree with you. I, I think the lack of size is concerning. Um, you know, it, it, it feels like he might end up playing power forward over center, which, you know, makes the pairing with Wendell Carter a little bit interesting, but um, certainly a, a big uh, a big part of it. Um, before Jabari Smith really started to come into his own and really started to kind of zoom up these boards, um, Paolo Bancaro of Duke was kind of the, the guy. Um how you know what what kind of led him to fall off and, and is he someone that should get uh, more look with the, with those top two guys now? Yeah, he had a really cold end of the season, regular season, I should say, for Duke, and that, that's the main reason he was shooting under forty percent to close the year out. Um, and I had him as my number one. And by the way, shout out to you. You said Paolo Boncaro, not Bonchero. You are part of draft Twitter now. That's the right way to say it. It <laughs> took me a minute too. So no shame if you're still saying Bonchero, it's, but it's, it's, it okay, is Bonchero. it's okay to mispronounce guys' names, I think, until the combine. At the combine, you got to yes. have everyone's names down. Yeah, at that point, like, people know who they are. Yeah, with Boncaro, you know, he's a little bit different of a three-level scorer. He can create his own shot, um, can play make a little bit. I think he's got good ability there, but he has some downfalls, tunnel vision at times at the rim. Uh, post-entry passes and lazy passes are an issue. I'd say that makes up two-thirds of his turnover, simply just those two things, not really losing a dribble or making bad decisions, inherently bad decisions, just kind of being lazy in a lot of ways uh, as a passer, and that's easily fixable, in my opinion. So not worried about that. And then on the defensive end, you know, he's good. I'd say he's like, you know, when you hear someone say, hey, he's a good defender, and then nothing more, nothing less, that is Paolo Boncaro. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously, you know, it – it's it's really easy to kind of look at these scouting reports, I think, and, and say uh, this is who they are when they're all like 19 years old. They're all going to get better. So, you know, if, if he has the defensive tools and he has the commitment to be a good defender, maybe he can get there. So it's, you know, again, better to say that he's as a defender right now instead of saying, oh, he's terrible. But, you know, again, Alfred Payton won the Lefty Drysell Award in college and couldn't defend a chair when he got to the NBA. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um a lot of big guys, obviously. A lot of forwards at the top of this draft. You know, you know, uh, Jabari Smith is, is 6'10 forward. Boncaro is 6'9. Holmgren, 7 feet. The guard in this draft appears to be Purdue's Jaden Ivey. Um, you're, I know you're not as high on Jaden Ivey as, as some of the other uh, other draft people might be. Um, how would you describe Jaden Ivey's game, and why should there be some, some, some concern? Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the strengths. He really is a blend of De'Aaron Fox, John Wall, and John Morant. You know, you see the explosiveness in all three of those players. Really good defender, defender excuse me, for someone um, as skinny as he is. He's really good at staying in front of his man, doesn't get pushed off his spot super easily. The big issue for me why I'm lower on him is I just don't know how quickly that jump shot turns around. I could be wrong, though, because John Morant hasn't had his jump shot turn around, quote-unquote, like, and he's been a superstar. So... It may not be a fatal flaw, but I do think it might be a limiter to him. That's really my big thing. But he can get to the rim anytime he wants. He's comfortable taking contact. He is still a fine shooter. I just worry that the kind of like, you know, I said with Suggs, like maybe we looked overlooked the percentages. His percentages, as I'm going to now double check myself because as I'm saying this, I'm going, oh God, what if I'm wrong? He's shooting 35%. <laughs> but the free throw percentage, though, as I said with Franz, 73.5 at the moment. That's not very convincing for a guard. So the jump shot could end up limiting him pretty heavily. 
Yeah, and, and for those for those that 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 don't know, are asking like why we're looking at free throw percentage over three point percentage with some of these shooters. A lot of draft people, I think even a lot of analytics people, say that when it comes to developing jump shots, a free throw percentage is a much better indicator at the college level of a player's ability to hit eventually hit three pointers at the NBA at the NBA level uh, than college three point shooting percentages. So again. Um, if it feels like it's weird that we're talking about free throw percentage, well, free throw percentage is more about accuracy and form. You can build up strength to get to that NBA line uh, over over time or, or, or fairly quickly. Um, whereas, like a college three point, the college three point line is not particularly far. I mean, it's further. It's you know, it's it's not like it's a close shot or easy shot, but it is not the NBA line. The NBA line is a whole different animal. And, and now, you know, I'm sure there's some thought that maybe the college line needs to move back. It, it should move back. I don't know if it's at the FIBA line yet. Uh, I think they moved it back to the FIBA it line is. years ago. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's it, it, the NBA line is a completely different animal, and that's why I think that's why free throws are are used more um, as kind of the baseline. Um, yeah, that that speed thing we, we've talked a little bit about it. You know, it, it's certainly a big thing, especially with players who want to play fast. It, it the NBA, especially with rookies, are all about speeding you up, and if you're already going pretty fast, you're gonna run into trouble. We've seen that obviously with Jay, with Jalen Suggs, but you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, kind of the guard crunch on this magic roster, you know, between Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, RJ Hampton, Jalen Suggs, all guys that probably need the ball in their hands a little bit. Um, this is, this team's got so many young guys. You mentioned it. There's eight guys that are probably rotation level young players on this team. Um, this is a draft that's got a lot of kind of big men, you know, like big forwards on it. You know, if you draft Jabari Smith, You've already you're adding into a group of similar players like Franz Wagner, like Jonathan Isaac, who assumedly will play next season, um, like Chichuma Okiki. Um, you'll have Wendell Carter to play center or potentially forward. Um, the Magic aren't thinking fit right now. They're, they're not looking to slide guys into certain positions. They need the most talent they can get at this point. Um, but considering what this Magic team's trying to be, their kind of their kind of pace offense their desire to be good on the defensive end. Um, you've seen kind of your big board, but who is who, who do you feel like is the best fit for this Magic team with all the information we have right now? Man, I, I go back and forth a lot. My number one player is Jabari Smith, so I feel obligated to say him, but you can make an argument it's a 1A, 1B between him and Shed Holmgren. I mean, both would fulfill so many needs. If you're worried about replacing Mo Bamba's shooting at, at, the, at, at the center position, you know, you get better defense too, uh, more capable, I should say, defense while keeping the three-point percentage in Chet Holmgren, but also you will get a massive three-point jump and, you know, option, I would say, as a shooter, that off-ball player for these young guys in Jabari Smith. So it would be, it's 1A, 1B, I'd say Jabari first and then Chet. Yeah, I mean... Also, I, I... like, uh, also the Magic, you know, just got done with Marco Fultz and Isaac being uh, out for a year. Do we really want to risk that with Chet Holmgren, who I said, like, you know, scouts worry that's a thing that, that his yeah. body hold up. I don't know if. Yeah, no, I mean, in, 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 in 82, 82 game schedule is a beast anyway. Like if, if Franz Wagner is able to play all 82 games this year, like that's an accomplishment in itself. Um, we've kind of watched him play this year. And, and I think he's he's hit the rookie wall, I think, a few times. Like I think he's going through it a little bit right now where he's just kind of sputtering and running out of fumes that that 82 game schedule is a beast and any rookie who's able to get through it is something special is something special. Um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously the magic are in line for one of these top picks, but that's not necessarily 
where they're going to end up. Um, so we'll talk about some of the other guys outside this. You know, again, there's I think there's pretty clear. I mean, at least among the draft people, um, maybe not yourself, but the consensus among draft people is it feels like there's that top four group. We'll talk about some of those guys that might be available if the Magic end up outside of the draft lottery, if they end up not winning the lottery, coming up here in just a moment. But, of course, the reason we're talking about the NBA draft is it's college bath. It's the NCAA tournament. It's finally upon us. So for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sport betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So outside that top four, um, the guy that's that I think really been impressive over the last few weeks, um, over the course of the, the end of the season here, and, and I think has kind of established himself as as as, as the number five guy, at least on, on my board, um, is Iowa's Keegan Murray. Um, what what's how, how what has he done to kind of come on strong here toward the end of the season and, and put himself in the discussion of maybe cracking that that water that you know lottery group? Yeah, so I was low on him entering the season. Uh, I think the two biggest knocks for him are he's going to be 22 years old by the time the season starts, early before the season starts, right after the draft. And he's a sophomore. That's definitely a flag for some teams. But, uh, you know, people value age differently. I personally don't put a ton of stock into that. Like, I mean, for example, Tari Eason, someone who is rapidly climbing on my board, is four months younger than him, three months younger. Am I really going to say, oh, well, you know, this age, it's very arbitrary to me. And and I think it's more about experience playing basketball and whatnot. But uh, side tangent aside, uh, it's really the fact that also he's a power forward, plays like a small forward and kind of vice versa. He's a little bit of a tweener. I don't know how relevant that is in 2022 anymore. It used to be not 10 years ago. But the main selling points with him are just the scoring ability, three-level scoring. He can finish at the rim, really athletic. Uh, thrives in quick offense. He does a lot of his work in transition, which I've seen people knock him on, which I don't agree. You see how many quick offensive possessions the Magic run even, and they're not even the fastest team. And on top of that, Walker Kessler, the nation's leading blocks, uh, shot blocker, has as many games with a block as Keegan Murray. Uh, I need to double check that stat actually, but that was true as of last week. So 
Uh, at the very least, it's very, very close. And you don't get that very often for a dynamic score, one of, an All-American, someone who is just so gifted as a scorer, you don't get the two-way potential in college so easily shown. Yeah, and and Murray very much feels like he is a, a Jeff Weltman type player. I, I can't believe we went an entire 49 minutes you know, podcast when we tried recording this the first time, and then another 30, 32 and a half minutes without saying this word, length, wingspan. Um, Keegan Murray has both. I think he's what six nine, and his arms are pretty long. I, I, can't, I can't believe we went seventy minutes in, in a draft Dude, podcast without saying that. I I have no idea how they just traded for Bull Bull. <laughs> and I'm not gonna play him. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it. There's like like if you listen to the Magic, uh, it, was, it was if you listen to in the zone um, on ninety six nine the game the day after Marco Fultz's debut. John Hammond admitted he was not at Markel Fultz's debut because he was at, in Evanston at my alma mater at Northwestern watching Keegan Murray in Iowa completely thrash my Wildcats. Um, not as bad as they did at the Big Ten tournament, which was also a very frustrating day for me. But um, nevertheless, um, this guy just, he, he, I feel like he fits a, a, a big need for the Magic. If there is a need that the Magic need to fill, they need to find guys who can shoot and get the ball in the basket. That's the biggest thing I think holding this team back overall. Um, but Murray fits, I think, the physical profile that the Magic like. Um, again, I can't believe we went 70 minutes without saying wingspan or length, but he has it. Um, he he definitely measures out the way the Magic uh, like like guys to measure. Um, saying in the Big Ten, um, a guy that that I think was kind of outside that lottery group for much of the season was Wisconsin's Johnny Davis, um, but he's really fallen off over the last month or so. What kind of happened with him and and what does he need to maybe show or what can he do to kind of restore some of, of that reputation that he may have had um, earlier in the season? Yeah, I'll work a little bit backwards. He hurt his ankle last week. I think it was his ankle. It was something lower body. Uh, so he wasn't 100% in the conference tournament and I doubt he'll be 100% against Colgate uh, and whoever else he plays. I mean, he really, even though he's had a week off, I don't think he's had a true chance to rest. Um, so what really happened though, with him falling down or falling down, falling on boards stems from the fact that he's kind of been figured out, you know, over the last month, his scoring averages have dropped. He's shooting 20% from three, um, teams have kind of just figured out, you know, Wisconsin is a one man show. Here's how we can trap him and make him be our victim, uh, rather than, you know, being the aggressor. And to a way it's worked and I don't know how much that scales up to the NBA, but the big thing for me was if you watch the Penn state game, which I'm 90% sure is on YouTube uh, right now, and you can watch the full game, you'll see Johnny Davis could not get his shot off there. Penn state isn't exactly a powerhouse in the big 10 and they don't have any world beaters of athletes. They have one guy, Seth Lundy, who did a good job on him. He's a good three and D prospect eventually down the road, but he should absolutely, absolutely not have been locking up Johnny Davis. And it's been, a few times where we've seen these guys not let Johnny Davis get his shot off and they're almost shutting him down or not almost, they are shutting him down. And that's alarming for a guy who as nice as it is, he plays like Booker. That's the, that's the comp he's always getting is Devin Booker. He needs to show that he can produce and beat these guys. Once he gets him beat off the dribble, make him pay. Yeah. And, and obviously that's, uh, that's, that's a bad sign. You don't want to be kind of trending down in your last few games. Um, Davis, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is a bit older. He, I, I think he's, is he a junior? 
I don't remember what class he is. He's he's not a freshman. Um, so he's got he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Okay, so yeah, he was know, on the the U nineteen. Okay, so you, you know, again, the NBA NBA draft prospects, I think, are the same way. You want to see them kind of getting better as the season goes on. You want to see them, you know, be able to learn and improve and get better. If you're going to go back a year, get better, which Davis certainly did um, in his sophomore year over his freshman year, just like Murray did with Iowa. But um, you want to see guys make that positive progression, obviously a really slow finish and a really concerning finish for him. Um, as, as we start to wrap up here, who, who are some other prospects that we should be watching during the NCAA tournament and, and watching for here as, as we get to the end of the college season and begin into combine season here in, in a couple months? Yeah, one of my favorite prospects, who I actually have number four on my board right now, is A.J. Griffin at Duke. He started the season coming off an injury, uh, closed out his high school career injured. I think it was a knee injury, but really good shooter, um, around 6'7", six, 6'8", six, uh, that window with long arms, good frame, uh, length, am I right? Uh, <laughs> but he's strong. He's uh, he's really good on defense. I mean, he's got all the all the you know he's an archetype for a superstar. Like I think he's got a little bit of baby Kawhi Leonard in him. And for me, when you're baby Kawhi Leonard, things are going to be good. Another guy to watch is Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. Um, they start on Friday. He's a two way wing. Uh, I hesitate to say three and D because he's grown as a playmaker and he can put the ball on the floor. A lot of three and D guys can't. Matherin can, and he's got great size, six seven, ideal frame. Really checks all the boxes for that two way to three and D guy. Yeah, and 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 you know if, if you haven't read it, if you're if you're a subscriber to the Athletic, um, I would very highly suggest um, searching out. Uh, there's a really good profile done uh, on Ben Matherin. Uh, Matherin, uh, like I said, we got to the combine to get to get pronunciations right. Um, there's a really good profile done on him and his and and where he comes from and, and how hard he's had to work to to get uh, to this level uh, to get onto NBA radars and really how much he's grown. It's, it's going to sell you on the kid, which again, as Jeff Waltman always says, we're investing in the person as much as we're investing in the player. So you want to find good people as well. Um, there was one guy that I want you want to make sure you mention. Um, because you mentioned him in our previous recording, and I think it's worth just knowing that he's in the background. Tell us a little bit about Shade, uh, about Shaden Sharp, and uh, and and why we're not going to see him with Kentucky this 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 week. Yeah, he's got an interesting one. He was in the class of 2022, uh, reclassified in a way, or graduated early in the fall. I uh, don't really know how that stuff works, but he was eligible to play for Kentucky, and since his birth year, and for those not familiar, to be eligible for the earliest draft you have or whatever to figure out draft eligibility you have to be 18 in the year before the draft so like victor Wembanyama, for example the number one player for 2023 was born in was on january 4th that's when he turned 18 was just uh or 19 excuse me you have to turn 19 i got the numbers wrong you have to turn 19 the year before the draft um Wembanyama turned four days before alexei pokachevsky turned 19 on New Year's Eve in 2001, I think is what it was. Whatever it is, it's the year before. Regardless, Shaden Sharp qualifies. Uh, he unfortunately is not playing because, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a reason. Kentucky, I guess they are doing the PR work and saying next season, next season. But what are they supposed to say? No, actually, he's going to go to the draft and we have no intention to keep him. They're not going to say something like that. I think he'd be foolish not to go to the draft in this week class and compare to next year, throw himself in the fire with a gen two generational prospects and what's expected to be a deep class. He's 6'5", three-level score, super athletic, long. He has a good wingspan, seven-foot wingspan rumored. 
Uh, how'd I do? Uh, and no, and he's got, he's got the finishing ability of Jalen green with the athleticism of him. So really intriguing prospect. I've flirted with the idea of putting him number one earlier in the year, but I think that window is kind of closed. It's hard to judge off high school tape. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But that's definitely a guy hanging around in the background. I know some other draft experts, they put him on their big boards, but they're not putting him in their mock drafts because they're not sure he's actually going to come, going to come out. It, 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 who know who really knows? You don't really know until that final list comes out. If he shows up at the Combine in Chicago, that might draw some buzz. So definitely keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on, on, on that as well. Um, Richard, uh, I, I want to thank you again for taking the time twice to, to talk NBA draft with me uh, here tonight. Um, where can any, everyone find you if they want to uh, st- stay up on the draft here as we go through the NCAA tournament? Yeah, at Mavs Draft is going to be the hub for everything I do for Locked On NBA Draft and MavsDraft.com. And uh, as soon as, so I, I'm weird about it. I start posting my scouting reports when stats are finalized for the season because a big thing is highlighting those stats. So uh, you'll start seeing it as teams get eliminated. I'm going to drop them. I have stuff ready. Um, so you'll see it come through at Mavs Draft, mock drafts, big boards, scouting reports, all of it will be there. Yep. I, 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 I appreciate that approach. Um, I tend to be a, hey, Let's wait till the end of the season to make any final evaluations and, and make some decisions. I, I don't need to make decisions. I'll let things play out here. Um, I really do appreciate you, Richard, for taking the time to, ha- to hang out with us. You can, of course, find him on Locked on NBA Draft. You can find me on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all the way to podcasts to your podcasting and listening device. You can find me again on Twitter at R underscore me. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll be back again tomorrow with a normal episode recapping the Magic's game against the Detroit Pistons. It is happening. It is the only NBA game of the night. Deal with it. Um, once you're done with us, though, make your second listen Locked on NBA. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Richard Stanton, this is Joel Frost. We'll see you all again next time another episode of Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.